Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that poses the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm Justin Lewis. On this episode, we explore the value of exercise in developing strong mental health. With me to discuss this is Eric Romanak of SIVA Fitness Academy. He founded SIVA Fitness and operates under the idea that there is a place for people of all ages and sizes. It exists to help people on their journey, no matter where they are in the beginning. He dedicates his life to teaching people about the value of health. Eric and I discussed his personal journey that opened his eyes to the value of being physically healthy and how that impacts mental health. We discuss motivation for physical health and about how the discipline of exercising body can play a positive role in the discipline of mind. The episode ends with Eric talking about the first step someone can take to being more healthy. Eric has also recently written a book called Live Better, Die Slower, The Key to Making Health and Fitness Finally Stick. We all have mental health. How's yours is the question that we post in this podcast over and over. And the idea is that we are um, equating mental health with physical health because yeah. people often recognize the fact that we have physical health, you know, to some degree mm-hmm. and um, maybe not to the fullest degree as, as necessary. But we try to say, hey, look, take care of your mental health because the same way you would take care of your physical health. And, um, and so that's one reason I wanted to have you on the show. Not only are you someone who strongly believes in the... Um, physical part of oneself but you believe in the physical and mental health connection that's right yeah in fact in your book you say that you are mesmerized with the body mind connection yeah so talk more about how you came to be so focused on that um well i see the body and mind to be connected for my own personal story you know i grew up very unhealthy i basically neglected myself Uh, self-care wasn't even an issue for 30 years i just kind of just lived and ate what I wanted to, did what I wanted to. And then when I kind of had a good rock bottom moment, I started, you know, thinking differently about what it, what I'm doing with myself and self-care became a part of uh, a bigger part of my life. That started with um, reading and some therapy and all that kind of stuff. And I found a spiritual side of things. And that's kind of how I started my self-care program. But then when I got into taking care of myself physically, I got into some martial arts and yoga and started running and eating better. And as my physical health improved, my mental health really, really started to, uh, to, I found places in my mind that I'd been looking for. And I, my confidence was rising. My anxiety was being suppressed. I had anger issues and those were just working themselves out. And, you know, over the years, I became so obsessed with the idea that I turned into my profession. And, uh, Mm. the biggest thing that I always tell people is, you know, I wasn't getting healthier. I was getting happier. Mm -hmm. And the people who were benefiting the most from this transformation were the people I love the most, my kids, mm-hmm. my wife, my relationships, uh, my professional uh, trajectory, all of it was improving as my physical health improved. I think the thing, you know, when it comes to working on my mind, my mind felt etheric, like it was hard to grab onto my thoughts. They, mm-hmm. they were just uh, reactive, you know, and right. they just 
things pop in your head and you don't ask where they come from. There's some deep hardwiring stuff there. Right. But my body was something that was very tangible. Mm-hmm. And when I started getting my body, I started finding that there's a connection to your nervous system, you know, that primal mechanism of fight or flight or, you know, responding instead of reacting. And Mm -hmm. as I was learning how to control my nervous system better through exercise, then my mind was starting to just follow the pattern. Uh, Exercise is nothing but self-induced stress. Mm -hmm. And if I was really fortunate to have great coaches that appreciated that connection between the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. So they showed me how to exercise while keeping, and this is going to be real sciencey jargon, (laughs) while keeping my frontal lobe engaged instead of retreating into this more uh, primitive fight or flight. Right. Because a lot of people when they work out, they're holding their breath. They're just grunting and doing all these crazy, you know, things, which is, you know, impressive feats of athleticism, but they can still be very, they can be exacerbating some of their stress reactions instead Mm -hmm. of trying to make them better. So it's, it's sciencey, but I was very fortunate that I found a, a very advanced way to work on my mental health via exercise. Yeah. So a few things that you said in there connect a lot with how I approach therapy with individuals. Sure. And so one of those would be controlling the thoughts is going to make an impact on your feelings Mm -hmm. and then ultimately your behaviors. And so one of the things that you said was whenever you started getting your um, physical health underway, like you started to exercise more and kind of take control of your body, then being able to take control of your mind was more accessible to you. That's right. Yeah. So I wonder if it was like you built this confidence in yourself. Maybe this was subconsciously even that, okay, I have some control over my life. Like I control my options as far as how I exercise. And so yeah. then you kind of had this um, ability to, to control your thinking yeah. at that point. And then that makes an impact on how you feel and everything after that. That's a really good way to frame that. I think, you know, a lot of times when, you know, I get people who come in who are injured or have these chronic problems, maybe one leg shorter than the other or whatever mm. their issue may be. Mm-hmm. And the question we always pose to them or want them to figure out is, well, what can you do? Mm. What can you control? Mm-hmm. And I think when I found that I could start controlling my body and my breath work and all that kind of stuff, then your mind just starts to believe it as well. Like you said, it is probably just another great subconscious symptom mm-hmm. of, uh, and control is such an interesting word, uh, maybe with a negative connotation, but it does feel like that. It feels like you're getting, putting your hands back on the steering wheel. No. Yeah. I'm totally in favor of control when it is in a positive. Yeah, absolutely. can be. It's usually the simplest things that you can control that have the most profound effect. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I have gone through your book and um, looked at a few things that were uh, interesting to me, and I thought they would be interesting to the audience. Thanks. I'm glad there was anything in there interesting. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was this idea of um, energy economics. Yes. So explain that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everything you do as a human requires energy, right? Um, I was, if the tank is low, then your performance is low. The premise that I've 
really locked onto and I'm trying to help people understand is that you are first and foremost, before you're Bob, Betty, uh, before you are a banker or a mom or a dad or whatever you identify with, you Mm -hmm. are a biological machine. Mm -hmm. And that machine runs on certain principles. And principle number one is you need energy to move the machine. Um, There's a great quote by uh, Vince Lombardi. It said, fatigue makes a coward out of any man. And I think it goes even deeper than that. But when the gas tank is low, decisionary strength is compromised. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, you go on vacation and there's no, there's lower stress, and you know you don't have to worry about your job, and your your head is empty. You have more mental bandwidth. So when mm-hmm. your kids are being rowdy and jumping on the bed at the hotel room, you're like, "Yay, everybody's great. You're a great dad," you know. <laughs> right. But then after a long day at work, when you've been taxed. You come home and there's a sock on the floor and you freak out, you know, yeah. you lose it. And that's just a reflection of your energetic state. Mm-hmm. Now, exercise and eating clean and all those kind of things are literally energy generators. They create more energy. Mm-hmm. You're putting money in the account. And I think when it comes to, you know, people's lifestyles, they don't realize that every decision you make is either spending energy or acquiring it. Mm-hmm. And now granted you have to spend some, but it's just like money. If I'm spending more than I'm making and I'm going into debt, your body, your mind, your beliefs, your worldview, mm-hmm. all will be affected based on that energy level. Right. You're a lot more accepting of other people's ideas and, uh, just an expansive view that helps you navigate the world better if there's enough gas in the tank. And mm-hmm. when their tank's low, I'm ter- I'm just a lower version of myself and everybody suffers from that. Sure. It's one of the things that keeps me on track is I can I'm starting to over the years you have more of an intuitive sense of I need to regenerate or you know, I just need to withdraw mm-hmm. now and and go recover a little bit. Uh it's just something we're not taught. It should be day one in kindergarten, right. but that's just right. not our culture. So with that being the case, um, it almost sounds like a paradox or I don't know the right word here, but for, so if, if spending energy, uh, ultimately at the end of the day is going to create a empty tank. Mm-hmm. So someone might be like, well, why would I exercise in the morning then? That's just going to spend a bunch of energy. And then yeah. I don't have my mental energy for work so explain how that yeah yeah if you exercise improperly yeah you will be you'll be exhausted you'll be in adrenal fatigue right Uh, and there's a lot of people who work out too hard now there's there's very critical metrics that you need to pay attention to when it comes to generating energy as opposed to spending energy um but essentially, when you exercise appropriately, you create more mitochondria in your cells. More mm-hmm. jargon. I apologize for the science <laughs> part. But the mitochondria are, they're like the battery of your cell. And you can essentially go from being a four-cylinder to a V6 or a V8 if you exercise appropriately. If, you exer- if you're exercising and it's wiping you out, a couple things may be happening. One, you're just out of shape and you just mm-hmm. got to push through that initial two, three months of, you know, this sucks. Right. You know, but if it's, if it's continuous and you've been exercising for a long time and it's draining you, you, you're, you're in a state of excess 
and you're not either not fueling yourself properly or you're not recovering properly. Mm-hmm. Sleep obviously is a the number one thing to build health and have that mm. uh, positive energy economics uh, balance sheet, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 exercise is designed to make you better, not worse. And if you're injured constantly and tired constantly, you have an inappropriate relationship with exercise. So exercise builds your aptitude builds your ability to have energy supposed to right yeah so for someone um listening that might think that doesn't have any sort of rhythm or exercise in their life Mm -hmm. um don't be afraid to get involved in that because it's only going to make your energy level have greater aptitudes or length rather than um wear you out before you start work for the day if you're in a good system yeah, the, yeah. One of the problems with the exercise uh, narrative right now is that we see exercise as an extension of fitness. Um, uh, no, it's not an extension of fitness, as an extension of athletics, right? Mm-hmm. So think about it this way. Your physical education uh, when you grew up was playing sports. Mm. Phys ed class, dodgeball, yeah, right. basketball. wasn't teaching you how your shoulders move or how to walk properly or any of these sure. things, right? Yeah. So we get out of high school and we get out of college and we think working out is still just what we used to do. And mm-hmm. now it's different. So that's not really the what we would call functional fitness. That's more of a performance or competitive fitness model. Okay. And that is a lot more energetically taxing than a functional fitness model, something that's just designed to be the maintenance of the human machine. So if you're a very competitive person, then yeah, you have to spend a lot of money. It could be a great stress release, but over time you are taxing the system as opposed to regenerating it. There's a lot of people out there who are fit, mm-hmm. but not healthy. Mm. We need to make that distinction. Uh, my, my methodology, my philosophy is about, you know, the title of the books, live better, die slower. Mm-hmm. So using our exercise and our fueling in nutrition to have a long-term health model as opposed to a short-term health uh, approach, which is usually build more muscle, lose weight, but that's not a long-term health model. Okay. So I want to talk about this through the lens of self-care. Self-care is uh, a thing in the mental health field and, um, almost becoming a buzzword, uh, in a way. So hopefully it doesn't lose all meaning because we know buzzwords can kind of just yeah, create, <laughs> lose me. Sucks the life right out of it. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. So we try to define that clearly. Uh, we've done that a few times on this podcast. Um, and kind of the way we've done it is to, it's about creating rhythms in your life mm-hmm. where the things that you have some power over Yes. rather than just like um, treating yourself or that mm-hmm. sort of idea. That's not really what we consider to be self care. And that can be a small part, but it's not like, okay, I'm going to take care of myself today. I'm going to go to the mall and buy myself something to make me happy. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not, that's not self-care. We're talking about. Right. <laughs> um, so maybe uh, if we look at this through the lens of self-care, um, how would you say that exercise um, in physical means is a, is a part of that? Yeah. So, um, we have to step back and, and recognize that you know the past hundred years of human living looks a lot different than the first two million. You know, um, we are designed to move. 
Mm-hmm. Um, our bodies are amazing machines. Our mm-hmm. joints move in incredible ways. Um, and yet, you know, we've been very fortunate that we don't have to go necessarily hunt for our food and, and protect our tribes physically right. like we used to. Yeah. Um, but there was an, a, there was something that we lost in the, after World War II. You know, World War II, we became this very prosperous nation and innovation and technology thrusted mm-hmm. us into uh, these great solutions to make life easier, except mm-hmm. for we turned a lot more sedentary. Yeah. Um, that lack of motion is one of the biggest problems that I see in our overall quality of life, especially yeah. mental health. Yeah. My, in my training, you know, we're always talking about the nervous system and that fight or flight response, but we're also, you know, in trying to figure out who are we. To me, we're still cavemen. We just have iPhones. Um, so we're still walking around with these very primal instincts and reactions. Mm-hmm. We've just modernized them and, mm-hmm. and make them look different and call them emotions and all these kind of things. Yeah. But the human brain is is actually, its prime objective is to survive. And surviving was to move. So mm-hmm. our brain's first line of code that it ever wrote was move to survive. So when we don't move, things just start to kind of settle and become stagnant in our minds and in our tissue. Uh, One of my biggest coping mechanisms when I'm starting to feel emotional or stressed is to move my body because my brain releases this, you know, chemical stress cocktail into my tissue. And the only way for me to not let it sit there and harden Mm -hmm. is to, is to move around, get up, take a walk, get up, take a walk, roll your shoulders, you know, take some big deep breaths, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it, and it even goes to say the number one, uh, the number one fight against Alzheimer's and, you know, mental deterioration is sophisticated motion. It doesn't have to be intense motion, but just making your neck move in different ways or dancing in new patterns and stuff like that, that stimulates the brain like, there's nothing else besides pharma- pharmaceuticals that can stimulate the brain more than new movement patterns. Mm. It just everything gets clearer and brighter, and uh, mm. your brain's occupied in a much more healthy way. Mm-hmm. So that self care rhythm is ab- putting movement in your self care rhythm is just allowing yourself to be who you were designed to be. Mm. A modern human is a different species than mm-hmm. the human that was born on day one. Yeah. You know, right. you're adapting into this modern lifestyle, which has a lot of benefits. Don't get me wrong. I do not want to go back to hunter hunting and gathering. Right. I, I love my, my central <laughs> heating and air, <laughs> right. but we had to invent exercise to compensate for what we were losing. It is funny when you think about the, how our society is like, we have to convince people to move. Yeah. Like if you go back in time, it's like, okay, are you incorporating exercise into your life? And like uh, the human beings are like, <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So look at me like I have lobsters coming out of my ears. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, and you know, one of the things is, is that lack of education that we don't understand how we're supposed to be moving or what exercise really can be for people. Mm-hmm. That ignorance propels the fear and the resistance Mm. towards something that can make everything in their life better, Mm -hmm. more energy in the tank, less stress, better outlook on life. It's just goes down to, we were educated 
improperly about who we are. Yeah, right. Incompletely, for sure. Incompletely, yes. That's a better word. Do you find that there's a lot of people that just explicitly will say, I don't need exercise? That's exactly right. Really? I I feel the way that I feel about society is most people will be like, yeah, I should exercise, but like they don't for whatever reason or another. So ultimately, that's as bad as saying I don't. But so you actually come across a lot of people that say, oh, I don't need to exercise. That's a waste. I, I, this is not a political statement, but the president of the United States said that okay. when he's running for office, like <laughs> literally said those exact words. I mean, so it's, it's not a foreign concept to a lot of the country. It's a hard, it's a hard sell for some people mm-hmm. and you have to go back and you, you don't want to bore them with the details because to a lot of people, exercise is nothing more than a vessel for losing weight. And if, right. and if you're already in settle down mode, right, you are, you've been married for 30 years, you know, your kids are graduated, you're not trying to impress anybody with your bod anymore. Right. You know? So what's exercise for me? Does this mean I can't eat, you know, my, we go out every weekend and grab a cheeseburger. Does that mean I can't have beers at night? You know, so they yeah. start thinking of health as a loss. As what are you taking away from me? And in my worldview and in my narrative that I'm trying to create for people is that health is adding to your life, not taking away. I do not believe in sainthood. I love to have a a treat, whatever you would call that every Mm -hmm. now and then. But I got the ratio right to where I'm winning more battles than losing them. Mm -hmm. Health is not about having a perfect record. It's about having a winning record and moving your needle in a direction Mm -hmm. as opposed to sliding back and just passively, uh, as bad as it sounds, waiting to die and just be entertained in between. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a cultural thing that I don't know how it snuck in there, but it just... It just did. When you start actively living your life, and I, when I say actively, it's not just like you know moving actively, but mm-hmm. pursuing the things that make your life better. Mm-hmm. That is a huge boost of confidence. Yeah, uh, and lack of regret is right. what I always say. You know, we talk about. Uh, I always get really That's a good way to say that. Yeah. yeah, you think about. Some people have had these really powerful experiences talking to, uh, you know, seniors and people who are in the twilight of their lives and all of, you know, they'll talk about all their regrets, mm-hmm. man, that's, I just don't want to be there. Sure. You know, yeah. so health is a good way to, or having a health mindset, a model of health in your mind is a good way to, to reduce regret in your life. And it makes me sleep better at night. That's my whole my whole marker for whether I'm, I feel like I'm living the life that I should be living is, am I sleeping at night? Okay. So I want to ask you this question. It's kind of a personal question, but hopefully other people can relate. Sure. I've been trying to figure this out and I can't, and I'm a thinker. Yeah, <laughs> Eric. I can tell. <laughs> so I have already mentioned that I, um, ride my bike mm-hmm. and I try to ride it. Um, I enjoy riding it when I'm out on, on my bike, I'm enjoying it. Um, whenever I finish riding my bike, I'm glad that I rode my bike. Kind mm-hmm. of back to what you were saying, like no regret kind of deal. Yeah. I know, I've never regretted doing that. But there's some barrier that I have to fight through. It's less and less, but there's a barrier that like Every tells me 
not to do it or like I don't want like why in the world does that exist yeah. why do I have to get through that please yeah. explain that to me I want to know there's two things that ha- that are happening one you have to change your rhythm like you know you were at home you were nice and comfortable and then you have to abruptly go and start elevating your heart rate yeah right so we are as primal people, as like I was talking about, you know, uh-huh. cavemen with iPhones, um, we are designed to seek security, right? Okay. Well, the problem is, is that comfort equals security in our system, right? So you are not, you're designed to survive and seek security to mm-hmm. protect yourself, and that. And whenever you have to become uncomfortable, it disrupts that prerogative. It disrupts that programming. Okay. And it does. It takes, but it takes a little bit of pushing yourself through that barrier each time because that is a long-term wisdom yeah. as opposed to a short-term satisfaction. Right. It's we are designed to think short-term not long term mm-hmm. it's just part of our <laughs> yeah, it's part sure. of our fight or flight oh, yeah, response absolutely um, so but we all know from the wisdom that's been teaching taught to us from you know te- all the great teachers is that you got to you got to zoom out a little bit you mm-hmm. got to you got to see this in a long term you have to override your system the i learned this from uh, martial arts actually mm-hmm. jiu jitsu because i like this story in the well, book yeah well yeah well, one of the things that you learn real early on is that your instincts are not serving you. Mm-hmm. So like the first couple of months, you know, you go in there and you take a class and then you do something called sparring, which is like, uh, it's not really fighting, but it's, it's as close as you can get without being violent, you mm-hmm. know? So you're wrestling with this guy and, uh, and next thing you know, everything you do is wrong. Right. It's like right. I'm reaching for this and he's just catching you and he's, you know, what we call tapping you out and you're losing constantly as a beginner because all of your instincts are these reactive short-term solutions that anybody who has any experience knows that that's not going to work for you. So mm-hmm. it's really overriding your primal hardwiring with experience and training mm-hmm. to become a better uh more advanced and wise practitioner uh you know like i said you're that never goes away from me either i really don't like to exercise yeah. i'm not gonna <laughs> i like to run you know like i said i'm in the same boat you are i always feel better when it's done but i always have to have that moment of self-talk and pushing yourself through but i also think that that's one of the greatest benefits that's one of the things that makes me sleep better at night is to know that i won those little victories more mm-hmm. than i lost them the hardest part is getting started. Is that a simple way to say it? Yeah. The hardest part is just breaking that yeah. that pattern in yeah. your mind that says Stepping just out there to run or getting on the saddle yeah. to run. Like once I've done that, just stay in bed. I've accomplished it. Yeah. Like I've, 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 I've conquered it as soon as I get out my garage door with my bike. That's right. I've yeah. conquered it. And so the way that I've learned to do that is to try to think futuristically. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to regret this. I'm going to enjoy this. If I want to get better at this, I'm going to have to be able to do it on a daily basis. Yeah. So I try to think futuristically, and that's my approach, and it I think tends to work. It's the only way it's really ever going to stick is when yeah. you see the long-term benefits of mm-hmm. the daily little minute actions that we always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to know that 
<clears throat> even professionals have those uh, it's not thoughts you, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if someone's listening to this and they think, all right, I know I should be exercising. I know that I um, should be doing this to get better and healthier, but I just can't get started. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can say what the first step would be in that. Yeah, the first step is to recognize that there's something in you that says you can't get started because you are projecting a story in your mind that seems really, really bad, mm-hmm. right? And right. I could see how they got there. I mean, like I said, you look on, you just turn on the TV and you see young 20-something exercising, right. throwing these big weights over. I don't want to do that, Yeah, right? You exactly. know, Or go run three miles. I don't want to do that. You don't have to. You don't have to. But what you do need to do is figure out what you can do. What is what is viable? Like, just might be walking. You know, mm-hmm. that's get some vitamin D. Great, yeah. great place to start. Yeah. Just you have to live life. Life was meant, movement is life. Mm-hmm. Like, things that are dying are stagnant. Like, if you live a sedentary life, you are mimicking more the act of a dying being than a living being by mm-hmm. your actions, right? So it doesn't have to look like what you think it looks like. And there's plenty of people, there's plenty of systems, coaches, models, uh, plenty of things you can do. But it's on you. Like so it's, it's, it's okay to start small, basically. Is what it's the saying. only way you can start. Yeah, right. And people are surprised. I recommend exercise to clients all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're surprised when I'm like, walk around the block. They're like, that's really? exercise? Really? Yeah. That's all I have to do to like, I'm like, yeah, right fine now. with me. Yeah. That's, your, that's your assignment. Walk around the block. That's right. And just to kind of get over that barrier of them seeing that they can make themselves do something. That's right. It's Everybody's a lot. I've never had a client that wasn't a lot more powerful and stronger than they realized. Mm-hmm. They just had to break their pattern. It's right. getting a rut. And yeah. All she, and to get out of a rut, you don't have to move a mountain. You just got to take one little step in a different direction than you did yesterday. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a huge step. It just has to be something different. And that makes a whole new mental pattern start to emerge. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very powerful idea. One other thing I wanted to cover was the value of appreciating the means versus the ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to use myself as an example again. So for a while, I was like, when I was writing, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get my average to a certain point. I gotta, you know, do all these accomplishments. Yeah. Um, I've got to get a certain number of miles. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> and then over the last several months, it's just been, I'm gonna get out and ride, for, a, you know, probably a certain amount, 17, 15, 17, 20 miles, something like that, mm-hmm. and just enjoy while I'm riding, and do a. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge myself, but I'm not going to like think about exactly what my average is going to be. So is there a way to just appreciate the means and then the ends are going to happen? Or do we have to look at some ends in order for the means to mean anything? Goals are nice. Sure. Having, but I would, I would change that to say, to have a vision, you know, where you're going. Um, I love John Wooden stories, right? John Wooden Mm. was the most, uh, he won the most NCAA championships, longest winning streak for UCLA. Right. And they asked him one time, 
in a press conference, they're like, hey, coach, you know, championship game, you're down 10 points in the middle of the fourth quarter. What were you thinking when you were looking up at that scoreboard right then? And he was like, I was thinking about whether my guys were running banana patterns or whether they were running in straight lines. <laughs> and they're like, well, what's what? Why were you thinking about that? You know, the game's on the line, you know, trying to win the game, the championship. He's like, right. well, I know that if my guys run in straight lines, they'll get to the ball faster. If they get to the ball faster, they'll create more opportunities, and the more opportunities will mm -hmm. translate to more points on the board, and then the score is a foregone conclusion, right? Sure. So process is always, if you master the process, the product is inevitable, mm -hmm. right? You learn this in martial arts as well when you realize that, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. Mm. It's, you just, you naturally get better at what you focus on. And to become process oriented is to get the results actually faster. I, I love to run. I'm a runner. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. And I sign up for races too. So when you sign up for a race, you get on a, a long training plan and there's a hard deadline for those races. Right. Yeah, and sure. as much as, you know, those, you know, training cycles can be very rejuvenating. They can also be very deteriorative. I've got a couple of friends right now who are training for a race and they had that hard deadline and their bodies really have not adapted well to the training because that deadline's a little sooner than their bodies mm. are really ready to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the logic and the truth of knowing that you, the horse always comes before the cart mm. Like you have to get into that mindset if you really want to excel at whatever it is you love long term. If you don't flip that switch, it's just you're always going to be fighting injuries. You're always going to be fighting fatigue and all that stuff. And there are times to push yourself when you really just say, I'm going for it. I've got mm -hmm. a goal. And I think that's really good for mental health as well. But you've got to be process oriented. So focusing on the means will ultimately get you an end focusing on doing the means better doing it better yeah yeah we'll, right. we'll always get you to the end right. yeah and it might be easier to get yourself out there if you think about the means as much as the ends that's right step yeah. one step one right. step two step two that john one of my favorite john wooden stories too is that you know on his first uh practice with the incoming freshmen their first practices in the locker room learning how to tie their shoes <laughs> literally the guy starts at the very very first step yeah let's let me show you how to tie your shoes and right. from that lesson on he built national champions all right so real quick as we close the first step that you would give somebody that wants to get involved in being better physically mm -hmm. would be what the first step breathe okay First thing you do when you're born, last thing you do when you die. Yeah. And breathing and, and just accepting that you need to breathe uh -huh. consciously will make everything better. It is, the, it is the bridge between your thoughts and your body and your nervous system. It is, it is something that happens uh, obviously unconsciously. We breathe without thinking about it, but we also mm -hmm. can alter our breathing to mm -hmm. accommodate our goals okay yeah so it's part of that control thing that we it is what about do i beginning. have control like over if you can control your body then you end up controlling your mind and yeah you will have 
or you have a natural fight or flight response of holding your breath when you exercise at first, because mm -hmm. remember, uh, exercise is self-induced stress. So mm -hmm. your nervous system will prepare for that stressor by gripping and holding your breath when you're trying to do a push up or whatever. Mm -hmm. You have to override that system because that will exhaust you faster and it'll make it more miserable, give you a higher cortisol dump and exercise will become stressful. But if you can train yourself to what we call exhale on effort. So instead of bracing on effort, you mm. release on effort changes the game. You can exercise a lot longer and you feel great when it's over and your cortisol levels weren't as high. Yeah, I agree with that. I've yeah. never um, taken direct advice about that, but mm -hmm. I can recognize the fact that I have learned that, I guess, mm -hmm. self-taught in a way. Yeah, you it had does. to if you're going to continue. Yeah, it does make a huge difference. Yeah, it's a game changer. Are able to control breathing. So that's some encouragement for those who want to get out there and, and do something, whether that's running or riding a bike or whatever it may be starting with walks yep just do something breathe. right and breathe yep right all right thank you so much for joining me today eric i appreciate you taking some time out to talk to me about how physical health and mental health correspond with each other this is a great great talk thanks for having me Just a reminder, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional counseling. For personal arts therapy, you can contact us through our website. We offer both face-to-face -face and telehealth, which is basically online video chat counseling. All that information is on compasscounselingky.com. Mapping Healthy Minds is recorded in the Compass Building on 2204 Kentucky Avenue, hosted and produced by me, Justin Lewis. Theme music is by Daniel Niehoff. And the show is made possible by Compass Counseling. We all have mental health. How's yours? Mm -hmm.